Good morning, everyone. I had some more notes, but um, getting over here, they became paper mache. And it'll be helpful for you to um, have your outline, which is on the inside of uh, this sheet. And be really helpful for God to uh, bless this time with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please guard and guide what I say. Please help us to hear your word. Be convicted, challenged, encouraged by it as we need so that we will be different tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, when I first became a Christian, and I realise it's nearly half a century ago now, uh, there was a chorus that our youth group uh, would sing called, I don't know what you've come to do, but I've come to praise the Lord. And uh, the actual song is just about as long as the title. And we just kept on singing it again and again. And um, I think the next chorus, the verse was, I've taken Jesus as my saviour, you take him too. And we did it all um, while impersonating Elvis Presley. We didn't take it seriously, I don't think. Um, but we enjoyed it. Well, that's pretty much what I'm going to talk about today. Praise. Last week, Terry is here. He helped us to see in Acts chapter 2 a model of a healthy church. And Terry identified five purposes that that baby church in Jerusalem was living out. And those five purposes kept the church growing and it grew to the point that people couldn't help but notice and God used that church to change the world. Today we're looking at one of those purposes. It's in Acts chapter 2 at the end of 46 going into verse 47. Yes, they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favour with all the people. Uh, so the church was committed to praising God. Are we a praising church? Healthy churches praise God together. Now, why should we praise God? Uh, apart from the reason that praising God was modelled by the early church, um, a healthy church praises God because God is worthy of praise. Psalm 18 verse 3, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Any good relationship involves praising the other person. And it's so much more true for a Christian and his or her God. For Christians today, if you really know the good news of Jesus, then you've already got something that you can praise God for all the time. But some people find it hard to praise God. I don't know if you do. This is the next section that we're going to be looking at. You know, there's some reasons why people can find it hard. Sometimes it's cultural. Um, some cultures aren't that good on praising people. I have several Chinese friends, uh, some of them you, you know as well, who they tell their story of never being able to please their parents. And they're very, very clever. You know, ducks of the school, they consistently get 98, 99% in all of the exams, unfortunately. 
because they don't get 100%. And the parents will say, so not, what, what happened to the 1%? Why are, why are we sending you to school? Why are we wasting our money? And uh, it's sort of one of those cultures that um, you, you just can't work hard enough to get any praise, and it's demoralising. Uh, some cultures are so ingrained with a superstition that to praise their children will somehow uh, cause the spirits in the spirit world to get jealous and spiteful and bring bad luck on the family if you praise a child. Has anyone ever seen The Good Earth? It's an old black and white movie. It's um, about China uh, before the revolution. And uh, the, the couple, they have a child, that's a, a daughter, and they have this child and they're holding it and they say, oh, look, isn't she so beautiful? Look at that. And all of a sudden they realise what they said. And they say, oh, no, 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 our child is actually quite ugly. Um, and, and because they were terrified that the spirit world would get jealous take, and, and take it out on the child and take it out on the family. Um, there are some superstitions that are absolutely horrible, aren't there? For some... They've been brought up in an environment where the only time when someone is praised is when someone's trying to get something out of them. Have you ever experienced that yourself? You know, that false praise and you know, okay, what's coming? What do you want? Um, it's a part of living in a cynical society, I guess. And this is a pretty cynical society. Um, there's also something else. that Perhaps there is a genuine absence of relationship with God. A much deeper problem. Uh, what's the opposite of praising someone? Shaming? Running them down? Saying they're worthless? Some of you know that actually um, one of the, the opposite ways of praising a, and shaming a person is you don't even have to use words. As a matter of fact, you don't use words, you just ignore them. But the Bible says that God is worthy to be praised. But if your relationship with God is no good, then it's going to stick out, isn't it? Unless you are, a really, you are really good at pretending. C.S. Lewis uh, wrote this in his book on Psalms. It's called Reflections on Psalms. And as he was writing this, he was thinking about Psalms and glorifying and his experience in his church. He said, The humblest and at the same time most balanced and capacious minds, that means minds that are able, big capacity minds, they praised the most. While the cranks, misfits and malcontents praised least. I think he's onto something there. But we know that for others, a, a real faith in God, a real trust in Jesus, it can be hard to praise God at particular times because they've been receiving blow after blow of tragedies, whether it be personal relationships or health. Uh, I don't want to minimise how pain can affect you emotionally and, with, and praising God. It, it, it can but many of the psalms were written by people in genuine pain. 
Psalm 22 begins with, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't think you can feel more sort of less likely to want to praise if you've got that thought coming out of your mouth. Why have you forsaken me, God? It sounds like deep emotional pain, and it was for David. Someone else was to say that later on. I'm sure you know who it was. But that psalm ends in praise. There's something to learn there. Some of the psalmists were experiencing people gossiping lies about them, persecuting them, and wanting and planning to kill them. Now, that's a major distraction to praise, isn't it? It would be for most people. Sometimes we can just be too precious about our surroundings. Uh, We can become so distracted from praising God uh, simply if a, a child cries or it's, oh, the colour of the, the walls have changed. Something's different around the place. Or what someone is wearing or a phone going off. <laughs> um, let alone when you actually experience some kind of pain like a toothache. Have you, do you remember the last time you had a toothache? Do you remember that time when you had the toothache and you were praising God? But the Bible has an antidote for people who struggle with praise. God's given us a whole book in the Bible that the Jews traditionally called the book of praise. It's the book of Psalms. I want us to have a quick overview of how Psalms gets us to think about praising God. This isn't everything, but this is a quick little cameo, small picture. How to praise God. Number one, we think Bible thoughts about God. Psalm 106, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. They're qualities of God that you need to spend time with, meditate on in a Bible sense. Um, King David, he, he knew he needed help from God to praise God properly. He said in Psalm 51, uh, verse 15, I haven't written this one down, I think, in your list, so if you want to... Just jot this down. Psalm 51, verse 15. He prays, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. He knew he was dependent on God to even praise God, to be able to open his mouth. Whatever he was going through at that time that made his mouth hard to open in praise, he asked for God's help. Prayer. And as you read through the Bible, you begin to see God's beauty, his goodness, his kindness, his purity, and a love that just never gives up. And as one of God's people in the Old Testament, King David would have understood that the uh, New Testament, early church, were committed to praising God. And he would have understood it so much more if he had seen what the early church had seen, and that is the risen Jesus. But before the risen Jesus, the Jesus that went to the cross so that we could become friends with God through the death of Jesus. What David had glimpsed in the Old Testament was enough for him then. How much more is it for us who know Jesus? There's a hymn that I really do love, and I I introduced this um, nervously, and I'm going to need your help. I want you to drown me out. You know it. Praise my soul, the King of heaven. 
you know it? I hope someone knows it. I'm going to just start and just see what happens. Praise my soul, the King of heaven. To his feet your tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Evermore his praises ring. Sing, Alleluia, Alleluia. Praise the everlasting King. That introductory verse teaches so much about praise. It's loaded with a wonderful understanding of what biblical praise is. It calls yourself to praise God. Praise my soul. That's another way of saying, me, praise God. My soul, praise God. It gives (coughs) reasons why I should praise God. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. There's so much we can praise God for. And it defines which God you are to praise. Hallelujah. What does that mean? It's a Hebrew word for praise to, and that Yah at the end, it's a contracted form of the word Yahweh, which is the special name of God. Praise to Yahweh. To praise God, we must think Bible thoughts about God. So can I encourage you to get into his word? You don't have to dig deep to find something worthy of praise. But it's worth digging deeper into God's word to increase your ability to praise him. Can I encourage you? There's a fantastic book uh, by J.I. Packer called Knowing God. It is a book that is packed full of the qualities of God, the characteristics of God. And it's got all these Bible verses. So when you're reading the book and you have your Bible open, you're looking at all the Bible verses... You learn about who God is and what his qualities are. It's a book on how to praise God, simply by understanding who God is. It'll open your eyes to who God is and how you can praise him more. Pray for those who read the Bible in church. Pray that they read it clearly and that they read it so that the true meaning of the passage comes across. It's just as important as the musicians hitting the right notes in the songs, isn't it? The Bible is God's word. To communicate it is a big responsibility. And to help us think Bible thoughts about God, it helps us to praise God. Number two, we glorify God or revere God. Psalm 86 verse 12, I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, I will glorify your name forever. To glorify or revere God is to raise him up in our thoughts and our words. And so for this time together, in a sense, we forget ourselves and we focus on God. A third way that we praise God is we sing to God and about God. Uh, Psalm 7 verse 17. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the Most High. Singing is a natural way to praise God and it might be in your car, doing your housework, going for a walk, but let's not forget singing together as well. If the only musical instrument that you bring here is your body, your vocal cords, your lungs, everything that's involved with singing, use them to God's glory. Fourth, and it's related... We make music 
for God. Psalm 150, praise him with trumpet sound, praise him with lute and harp, praise him with tambourine and dance, praise him with strings and pipe, praise him with sounding cymbals, praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Today, um, with the presence of a few generations um, in our church and the various church services, I imagine King David would also include the organ and the drums. He'd be more familiar probably with the drums than the organ actually, but he'd be happy with it. It doesn't matter because it's whatever best helps the church get involved in singing to God's glory. We've got a few uh, of us who are musicians, apart from voice, who use their talents when we get together. Can I say thank you? Thank you so much, each and every one of you. You help the rest of us praise God by helping us sing a little more tunefully and together as well as joyfully. Pray for the musos that God will continue to raise up songwriters that are faithful to God's word and have got the skill to be able to do it. We praise God when we thank God. This is point five. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Psalm 9 verse 1. We praise God by thanking him for what he's done. And he's done so many things. Um, you know, I hate it when someone keeps on asking for things from me and never says thank you. Don't you? King David had the right attitude. <clears throat> and your mum was totally right. Always say thank you. Especially when we come to God. Say thank you. Uh, The sixth way we can praise God, we can tell others about God. Psalm 66, 16. Come and hear all who fear God and I will tell what he has done for my soul. We praise God by telling the story of how God has intruded into our lives, into our souls. And when you became a Christian, that's a great story to tell and you are praising God as you are doing that. We also praise God when we share what God has been doing in your life most recently. A lot of the praising that is happening, if I've understood this concept of praise here, will be happening as soon as we finish the service and we start talking to each other. We praise God when we rejoice. This is the seventh Psalm 31, verse 7, I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. Christians have something to be joyful about and we express that by rejoicing. This is the aspect of praise that comes closest to just expressing the emotional content of our relationship with God. You know, we can tell people around us a lot about the God that we serve by our faces I might say things with my lips but what's the condition of my lips as I'm saying it praise my God the king of heaven does it match does the face match the words he's the king of the universe but he's also your best friend if you have submitted to the Lord Jesus. You don't have to pretend to smile. You learn to enjoy God. 
which is where the joy comes from. You enjoy God. Enjoy your relationship with him. Rejoice. Praise. And number eight, this is it. This is the M. This is the M word. We magnify the Lord. First, uh, Psalm 34, verse 3. Uh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Or Psalm 69, 30. I, pray, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Did you all already have the interview with Pre? Excellent. Pre is our magnification coordinator. He's thinking of all the things that are involved in all of our church assemblies to help us praise God. And that's more than music. There's a lot of things that go behind the scenes that makes things run well. Um, Pre has a job that requires much more sensitivity than I have. There's things I don't understand in planning services for various gatherings. Pre's going to be looking at all of the services. Um, an example is at Church at Five, <clears throat> I, for the life of me, I do not understand smoke machines. Okay? I don't understand them. Um, as a matter of fact, the first time I saw one, I thought one of the instruments was on fire. Um, but Pre has thought about it and how it can be used to help people to glorify, to praise God. Pray for Pre, that's hard to say, pray for Pre in his job as magnification coordinator. The Bible uses all of these expressions to praise and more this, bless the Lord. That's another one that we could go into. To call us to praise God. So anything that our church does to encourage us to praise God is a good purpose. It's one of God's purposes for a healthy church. And now a word about worship. Um, Healthy Christians worship God 24-7. 365 days a year. As we think about biblical praise, we need to understand also about what biblical worship is. Only two things to say about it. Worship is more than praise. Romans 12.1 I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Some versions, this is your true worship. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice and that is living, ongoing, all the time. Not just for the hour that we meet here and maybe the hour or two that we hang around with each other. It goes through the entire week for the rest of our lives. By the time that the early Christian church was born, the Bible does not use the word worship to describe specifically what we do in church gatherings. Did you notice that the word worship was not used in Acts chapter 2 to describe any of the five purposes that we're looking at? This might be um, treading on people's feet, toes at this point, because... You're used to hearing about worship services, maybe. Um, The Bible assumes that worship is already a part of every facet of the Christian life. That's how the New Testament uses the word. And uh, if you belong to a growth group, that's something that we will explore deeper in the growth groups this, this week. 
Um, can I say, uh, I don't also, I don't want to be over-precious about it either. I think it's okay to say that you're going to worship God in church as long as you can say you'll be leaving church on a Sunday to continue worshipping him on Monday. I do not hear that language much. I think we should incorporate it more. That's what's behind the Apostle Paul reminding the church to um, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So worship is more than praise and worship is more than Sundays. The idea of worship is fundamentally to bow down before God. It describes an action that reflects an attitude of humbling yourself before God, committed to obeying him, treating him as your ultimate king. And that attitude is the one that is to be 24-7, 365 days a year. For Christians, maybe this could be helpful. Worship is just like breathing. I'm presuming you haven't stopped breathing before you came to our church service this morning, only to start during the church service. In fact, if you weren't breathing before this meeting, I can't see how you'd be breathing now. It's the same with worship. If you weren't worshipping God before, you have not been worshipping today in church. Even if we use words like worship service, which um, we, we don't use. Unless, unless this is the first time the first time that you've actually come to grips with the idea that we are called to praise God because we are submitting to him completely. That is because of what Jesus has done on the cross. He is now my king. I trust in him. I'm going to follow him and I'm going to start a new relationship with him. That means in that case you've started a new life that's going to continue on Monday, stay going through all the week until we meet again next Sunday. That's why it's misleading and unhelpful to talk about what we do here as a worship service. For what it's worth, um, we're an Anglican church, and our history is we've got um, uh, Anglican um, um, prayer books, um, and it's got all the services that we have in the Anglican um, year, and you will never find a mention of a worship service because they'd worked out long ago, back in the Reformation, they worked out that it's the wrong word to use for a service. It's not a worship service. It cheapens what we do for the rest of the week. But some churches have gotten into the habit of using the word worship to talk about only what we do in church on a Sunday, but not what we do for the rest of the week. That's where I'd like to challenge you. Worship is more than Sundays. Now, in our booklet. Uh, some of you are aware of um, Get On Board. That's the course we do for those who um, are seeking to be for, uh, formal members. Uh, there's a section on the five M's. It's a useful reminder. And there's a section that has magnification. And it begins with, you ready for it? Magnification we worship. Now, is this being contradictory? I don't think so. You see, magnification we worship it's true, but as long as we understand that we worship God in every aspect of our lives and not just praising God. 
And that's actually made clear in the following words in our Get On Board uh, course booklet. And as I'm reading this out, um, and if you do the course, you can nearly hear Greg actually saying these words. God wants our hearts to be fully devoted to him, glorifying him in all that we do and loving and delighting in him. As we get on with our vision and mission, guided by our values, we are compelled by Christ's love to live for him. May our church magnify the Lord, directing all glory to him through Jesus, who died and rose again and is returning for his church. Amen.